Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, uh, Thanksgiving just passed, and I, we had a really good Thanksgiving. Joanne really killed it with the turkey. I was amazed because she worries, and we were watching a football game, and she was getting into the game, and she just cooked amazing and, and that's the thing I like about being older when your friends come over they bring so much so much food we have so much cheese left and people brought hummus and people bought beer and wine and I like to drink but I don't really drink in the house much so this wine will just sit there forever so I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving too and now we get the next holidays to get ready for so that's about it anyway we have a uh, great show today a gentleman I've seen on TV and he's got a, a very interesting uh very interesting background. I was reading about you, and it's uh, David Ori. How are you doing, David? Good, good. How are you? Good. Uh, so, uh, now, how, how long are you, you're from? You're from California originally. Yeah, I'm from Sonoma, from the wine country. Now, what's that like growing up as a kid? I mean, do you get a lot of tourists and visitors? And well, do- um, that's funny, actually. When, when I was a kid, it was a podunk town that nobody had ever heard of. It was kind of a farming redneck town, uh, and now. Around when the internet boom hit, a lot of the Silicon Valley folks started like buying their weekend getaway houses and creating this huge, you know, not that it was just them that created the tourist industry, but somewhere around the, the mid to late 90s, the town changed and became this, you know, gourmet mecca that everybody knows and is used in like advertising slogans now, you know, like... There's restaurants called Sonoma Wine Bar, and when I was a kid, that that was not the case. That must be so weird when you when you go back because it's true. Like any, anywhere you grow up, I mean, I, where I grew up, it was a nice area, but then it changed a lot when I went back. But for you, it must just be crazy because because you, 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 you there's probably things that you remember and you go, man, what the hell happened to that? Oh what yeah, that, like the the center of our city is a a plaza. It's a park. Um, called the Town Square. And when I was a kid, the businesses around that park were like, there was a supermarket called Food City where I would buy my candy. There was an ice cream shop. There was a pharmacy, just little local businesses. Now it's all wine tasting boutiques and like, you know, places that cater to the tourists. Was there a lot of vineyards out there before when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was always wine there. It's just, it was not such a, you know exciting thing to to people people didn't come in i mean only like real crazy wine lovers i think would visit before uh, and it, it it didn't have that <clears throat> the the allure in the name like it does now i know it's crazy i always hear sonoma sonoma everyone's like oh you've yeah. been to sonoma everyone's like no nah, i haven't been up there there's a train that goes around sonoma you gotta go on the train it's uh... <laughs> so now now when you were a kid were you did you ever think you'd end up becoming an actor did, when you had a, did, when you were a kid were you did you were you fascinated by TV or, or oh how? yeah I watched TV nonstop like eight hours a day like what, what were some of the shows you'd watch Three's Company um, I watched a, a lot of you know I would come home from school at whatever 2.30 and I would turn on the TV and I would be there in front of the TV until it was time to go to bed so I would watch you know the daytime shows I was into Degrassi Junior High. See, you're—it's so funny. You're—I'm I'm 51. You're—you're you're 40, young yeah. 40s. So, so I missed that whole boom. Like, I, I missed the Save by the Bell boom. Like, for like us when we got home, you know, when we were little, we had like the banana splits and the shows like just that. I, but I missed those like those. Yeah, because it was a little. It was like these four big animals: Flegel, Sprite, and then they had interstitial cartoons like. Uh, Gulliver's Travel and all this, but for you guys, you had like the the fun shows, like the high school ones. Well, Saved by the Bell was a little bit after my time, um, but I, I mean, I watched those shows even at the time. Mostly, at least, I told myself I was watching them ironically. Okay, you know, <laughs> I I used to sort of I knew that it was probably not good to be sitting in front of the TV for that long and doing all my homework while watching television. Um, I used to tell myself that I was studying the enemy, um, and now I guess I've become the enemy. That's funny. Now, were you a good student? Uh, you know, I think I was good enough of a kid that I could kind of convince people that I was a good student, and so even when I was not a good student, I was able to sort of get by. All right. So... I think I performed like a bad student, but I acted like a good student, and that, you know, made me a good student. It made, it's your first. It's all about perception. It's your first bit about acting. So yeah, you started exactly. Young. So when you when you were a young kid, though, did you ever think you'd get any acting? Or when I mean, when you were young, not young, but like let's say 
junior high when we, we start getting more ideas in high school. What did you want to do? And did you get involved with theater or anything? No, I uh, I was into cacti. Really into like, cacti and succulents. Really? Yeah. Like, like, like did, you, did you grow them? Or? I did. I went through these phases as a kid of various fixations. I was into cactus for a while, then I was into rocks. How, how do you get... I mean, I, I guess because I grew up back east, you really couldn't get into cactus because they would die. And I can see rocks, and I can see, like, you know, like hermit crab. But how did you get into cactus? Uh, I think I must have just gone to a... You know, nursery with my mom, and while I was bored waiting for her to get stuff, I was probably looking at the cactus, and they're very colorful. You know, right. they have, and you can like splice some off and put a different cactus on there and grow it. And so, yeah. So, I think I went from usually what I wanted to do as a kid was stuff based on like the natural world. I wanted to be like a marine biologist or work with animals. So I, I didn't really think too hard about actually being an actor although that was sort of what i did you know i was i was like an uh, entertainer personality like in what way in the class like you'd on be the like... bus on the way home i would put on little shows and do imitations and make up songs um and that was like i love that that feeling that it was like did, did you impersonate other students or teachers mostly or... teachers but no i would do students i would do students um but um, yeah, students, teachers, uh, and then just do little bits. So that's good. So you're getting your start there. So now, now I, you went to college in Tokyo, I think. Is it? Is mm-hmm. that? Or did you go anywhere first, or how did you end up? I went to college in Colorado for a year and a half, which I really did not enjoy. What and was I your was, major? I don't know. You don't English. know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hadn't chosen yet, but I I was gonna do English, and I fancied myself this like I wanted to be an intellectual. I wanted to be, I remember like being in high school and seeing the college brochures and there'd always be like a, a big clock tower and then like students sitting on the lawn out with the, with, with the plaid, books. with the plaid on their, I mean with the uh, patches on their, yeah, on their just corduroy blazer. <laughs> philosophizing. Yeah. I wanted to be like that. I wanted to, to write a groundbreaking book on literary theory. Um, and then I, I went to Colorado College, and I remember I had a, an advisor, and I went to meet with the advisor, and he was a literary criticism professor, and he told me not to do it. it Why? Like, Why? It was like, all you're ever going to be able to do is write unimportant essays that you know only 100 people will understand and be a professor. That's the only job that will be open to you. Um. And uh, I, my main instinct in college was to just get out of college, go away. I wanted to like do the, you know, I was really into the beats. Okay. I wanted to hop trains and travel around the country. Um, I wanted to get out of school and get out of the country, uh, but I had to appease my mother who wanted me to stay in college, at least that's what I felt, that I would disappoint her greatly. So I found a way to get out of college and travel without uh, having to actually leave college. And that was to go to Tokyo? Yeah, because we had an, like, an exchange program uh, through my school. Now, weren't you, was, that, was that a little, because you didn't speak Japanese, right? I didn't speak Japanese. So you're going over there and I'm at school, but is, was that, were you excited for that? I mean, it's, it's must oh, be, yeah, but it yeah. must be a little intimidating, like, wait a second, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to understand me, they understand you, but it must be weird. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd traveled a bit already um, as a kid, so I, I was, you know, I'd traveled... I'd actually done before Japan, my first way of getting out was I did something called Semester at Sea, which is um, a college program where you're on a boat and you go around the world. So I'd gone to a lot of different countries okay. through that. So I'd have some had some travel experience. I wasn't too terrified about that, and I, I was excited to you know try to learn the language. But uh, it was tough. Um, like when I got there, my... Um, there were probably 40 of us from a bunch of different schools who all like met up. And when our host parents came to pick us up, you know, I saw all these host families like meeting their 
kids for the first time and there were, you know, these grand introductions and they all looked very happy and excited. And then my host father came and he was this really gruff, probably 60 something guy smoking a cigarette and he just looked at me and he kind of grunted and like waved for me (laughs) to get in the car and I was like, oh no, (laughs) like this doesn't look like everybody else's. And then we, we I think it took an hour and a half to get home to to his house, and the, he said one word to me on the whole drive home, and that was tobacco. Like, he offered me tobacco. <laughs> and, and then I got back to the place, uh, got, got to the home, and I went upstairs, put my things down, and then I cried. Really? So yeah. You said, "What the hell am I doing?" You're like, yeah. "This, this is what it. This is, this is what the Beats went through. This is what Kerouac went through. Kerouac didn't sit in a car with a with a gruff right. Asian man smoking a cigarette, yeah. going tobacco." So now, 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 did you learn the language very quickly? Was it? Um, let's see. It took me three months before I could kind of have a conversation. Um, by the end of my first year there, I was pretty, pretty good. You know, I could pretty much say what was on my mind. Um, well, I read you it said something on the street that you started working as a translator. I did. I started doing that when I moved to L.A. Because um, so how you stayed in? Uh, how long did you stay in uh, Tokyo? I was in college there for two years. Okay. Then I went from there. I went to Washington State to Olympia to do to finish school at a place called the Evergreen State College, um, which was one of the few schools that would accept all of my international study as credits and allow me to graduate in a year. Doesn't that suck? Like, it's so, so funny, because I went to a school in New Jersey, a state school, and they would take, you know, the, some of the community college transfers and stuff like that. But it sort of sucks when you go to a school, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, no, well, you took this, but it doesn't count. And you're like, well, wait a second, I was... I was I was in college. It wasn't like I was like taking a high yeah, school. It's just it must, it, it's just like there's such snobs. I looked at a few schools that I wanted to go to, but they weren't. Uh, I was going to have to do two years, and you know, it's expensive. Um, and I ended up really liking Olympia, Washington. And while I was there, I started. While I was in school, I started doing um, vintage clothing dealing. Okay. Um, and there's a big market for that in Japan. So I started buying clothes at thrift shops and garage sales in Washington and sending them to Japan. Now, was it a big money? That was probably really good money. Cause yeah, it- there was like a boom, like a gold rush from like 95 to 98. Who was your contact over there? Someone you went to and you said, I'll send this to you? Or how did that work? Um, I didn't know anything about that business when I lived in Japan. I kind of discovered it in Washington, um, just meeting people who were buying this stuff. And then I found out that they were... Sell, selling it in Japan and I was like oh I could do that um, so I just I met people actually uh, at the Rose Bowl flea market um, in Pasadena which I, I came down to do it because that was like the mecca for selling vintage clothes to these Japanese dealers so I met some dealers there then I went to Japan then I kind of formed relationships and then I started shipping stuff to them so you're doing that through when you're getting out in college in and- college and then I did that for like seven years to like 2000 one in up in Olympia. Yeah. So at any time, did you decide you wanted to do comedy or acting or anything like that? Well, um, you know, I had done some TV in Japan. Um, I think I did two TV shows where I was like the, you know, just the foreigner who speaks Japanese, and they were. I did some comedy bits. Did they did they call you for that, or did you actively pursue that? Uh, they hung up some signs at my university in like the International Student Center and I saw it and I auditioned for it. They told me they wanted to hear, you know, stories about why people were in Japan. So I just kind of made up some bits. Right, okay. Um, some ridiculous reasons that I was in Japan and, you know, they they bought it and I did that show um, and it it paid very well, at, the, at least it you know, at the time I was like shocked at how much money they gave me for it. But I was such a brat. Um, I made them, I made all kinds of demands. Like what? What were some <laughs> of your demands? Well, I was going to be, they wanted to shoot this show in the summer and I was going to be traveling. And I, and it's, I, I didn't have the, you know, grand aspirations of being a TV star. So I wasn't, I was like, well, if you want me to be on the show, you have to, you know, I was going to be traveling. I would be 
at this time that you're saying you want me on the show, I would have been in Okinawa. So you're going to need to fly me from Okinawa back to Tokyo to shoot. And they're like, okay, yeah, we can, we can get you a round trip ticket. Uh, but, and I was like, well, no, no, I don't want a round trip ticket because after Okinawa, I would have been in this other place. So I need a return ticket to this other city. Which would be really. I was basically just kind of trying you to just, like, just see what you could get. You know, <laughs> I was trying to cut out having to buy this really expensive plane ticket to this remote island called Iriomote that had like manta rays and stuff that you could see if you scuba dived off of it and whale sharks. Um, but I couldn't afford to fly there, so I tried to use this to to do it, and they did it. But it kind of ruined my. Um, you were like you were like the prima donna. You were, you were like the prima donna American. I was a diva. So you did that. So but when you're in Washington, so, so now you you just you had any interest yet? I mean, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it was in the back of my mind, but I I never I didn't really think about it as a. Um, I didn't know how to do it, and I was so, um, you know, sucked into the vintage clothing boom that I was just like, I was kind of riding that wave. But then towards the end in like maybe like 1999 or 2000, I started to get fed up with just like the, you know, buying and selling and it's getting monotonous after a while. It's, 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 it's a lot of time in small town motels. Well, Cause I would drive across the, from like um, the border of, Canada and Washington to San Francisco back and forth going to these tiny towns and buying you know stuff in their thrift stores so I'd be in like a not even a Motel 6 like two levels below a Motel right. 6 you know in Roseburg Oregon or some some little place Grants Pass uh, and I remember kind of having a breakdown one day in one of those hotels where I'd been like traveling for two weeks. I don't know anybody in these places. So I, the only like human contact I'd have would be with the thrift store cashier right. or like the waitress at a restaurant. And then I was like, I have to find something else. And then I went to Japan um, on a regular business trip, uh, but I stayed there um, three months and I tried to get back into that um entertainment business there like i signed up with some agencies and i tried to to uh get my foot in the door there and i nothing worked out i think the, the one time i got an audition the person i was staying with mistakenly told them that i had gone back to america right. and i wasn't around <laughs> and just it did not work out i think the the i did actually get the one paid gig i got through an agency was to be uh just to go to a party and be like a foreigner at a party. Isn't that crazy? It's like a, it's like it's, a like, novelty. it's like here in LA, you can, people would just show up. <laughs> like, but that's just but it's things. So, so you're over there. So then you decide to come back here. So well, so the funny this was just total uh, coincidence. But I I flew back to Olympia, um, and a couple days later, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to do this theater soap opera. And I'm sure I'd never mentioned to him that I had any aspirations to do that. It just happened to timing-wise fit in with right after I'd tried to get work in Japan. He, uh, we were, they were doing this improvised soap opera every week in this little theater um, in Olympia. And um, they had a whole storyline that they would just kind of, you know continue each week and i i said sure and then i i played like a my character was officer bobbity bob and i was like the sh sheriff of the this little town and the first uh show we did i came up with a little bit and i did it and people laughed and i was like oh my god why haven't i been doing this and, you know, I remembered that feeling from, like, a talent show that I did when I was, like, 15 to raise right. money for uh, for my first international, like, a sister city's trip to Italy. And I did some, I wrote some, like, little bits and did them. And, and, but I always felt, doing that stuff in school, I did one play, but I always felt really self-conscious about what my friends thought of me and, like, you know, I knew that the performances, like if I did a play, that it, it wasn't 
the play was not good. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So to have my friends come and have to say that was great. I, you know, yeah, you, you said to me, yeah, you always very it's like, awkward, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get past that as a you know fifteen year old. Um, and actually, that stayed with me for quite a while. When I even when I started to be an actor, I wouldn't say that I was an actor for years. You're like the one. I mean, usually out here, it's like everyone's like, I'm an actor. I'm not. It's like no, what? I would just say I was a Japanese translator because I didn't <laughs> want to talk about. So that. so so you did the plays up in up in. Olympia. I, I and did the, that. The, up the there. And so, do you, it, when do you decide to leave? Or well, so then we. I. I don't know how many of those I did. Ten or eleven. Uh, and I really. I enjoyed it. I didn't know anything about improvisation or acting. Um, then, but I was really enjoying doing that. And someone uh, told me about the Groundlings uh, School in L.A. and that it's this improv school where a lot of the Saturday Night Live people went and they'll like teach you how to do improv and um, I had some family here just had a baby and I was like oh well I'll, you know my my job <clears throat> I could do anywhere in the country so it's like oh I'll go down and take one of these classes for six weeks while I hang out with my family uh, so I came down to do that class with the intention of going back to Olympia after the six weeks was done. Um, and then I never went back. So you came in, you got into Groundlings. Yeah, I, I started taking class there. I started taking, then I, I had like two classes a week. So I'd have five days a week with nothing to do. So I started auditing classes in different acting schools and doing basically anything that I could do for free. And I found like a little sketch group and they asked me to do a show that that would would be going two weeks longer than the Groundlings class. So I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll do that. So I stayed an extra two weeks. From that show, someone was like, oh, you should go meet this agency. And I was like, okay, I met the agency, and then I got an agent for commercials. And then I was like, well, I, I'll stay and see what it's like to try to get Were you still staying with your family? No, I, I was staying. I was subletting uh, on a, a house, a room in a house with a guy. Um who who um some friend had hooked me up with and then I left that I I was kind of going from sublet to sublet like 2 months in one 1 month and then you know, right. wherever cuz I, I was very non-committal I kept my uh I kept my place in Washington for 2 years paid rent on it for 2 years while I was down here um and the, yeah I just never Never went back. So when the agent, when you got the, when you signed with this agent, did you start going out to audition the commercial agent? Did you start mm -hmm. going out a lot, or, or? Uh, I think it took a little while, but yeah, within six months. And those were the days, you know. Now commercials are a little harder, but that in those days, I remember having like five auditions in a week, and like having three commercial callbacks in one day. Hardly ever booking any of them. Right. But, you know, it was busy, and I felt like, you know, I had a lot. It was very exciting. Um, and then I got a couple here and there, little ones, you know, non-union, uh, little commercials for, like, First Tennessee Bank. I think that was my first. That must have been great, though. It must have been a cool for you. Oh, yeah. Wow, you know, it's like, because you, you, you sort of came here on a whim. I mean, yeah. you, know, you think about it, if you just, you you were going to be the clothes dealer, then you just, yeah. on a whim, you come down, and everything starts working for you. I mean, I wouldn't say everything started working for me, because <laughs> I wasn't making any money. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like, but it was, I found it somewhat easy to get started. Uh, you know, in the, like getting the agent was easy because I'm kind of weird looking, so that makes it much easier. Yeah, especially for commercials, yeah. they look for a certain character. Yeah, like. yeah. So I think, you know, I had some advantage, and you know, character actors do have an advantage with getting started. Um, so when you're doing these auditions, I just want to know how did you end up switching into how did you start becoming translating for film? I mean, you're trying to act. Did you meet someone through an audition, or how did that come up? Because it's very that's Craigslist. what I read about you. It's very it's very interesting. You don't meet a lot of people who translate for film. I mean, I had a friend who who lived in uh, Japan. He taught in Okinawa, mm -hmm. and he taught and then I, he had a he taught ESL out here. And I actually I taught a class, which I oh know, really I don't know anything. I was all the Japanese kids would just they would speak English, and all they would do is they'd ask me like. They would want curse words. 
Oh, they, they would sit yeah. there and I'd be like, uh, you know, because you're telling them this and they're all smart, but it's like, I don't, I don't my English sucks, but it paid like 25 bucks an hour. So I said, oh, right. I'll, I'll do it. But how, how did you, uh, how did you uh, end up getting into that? Um, I, the first thing I did was a, some like, I don't know. I, I You found it on Craigslist though? I found on Craigslist, um, I would just search for Japanese stuff in Craigslist and then I got a job doing translation first for like an industrial video for actually for an English school in Japan and they were trying to sell it uh, or no sorry it was an English school here but they were trying to get Japanese okay. uh, clients uh, that was the first one I did and then uh, there was a company called Tokyo Pop that reproduced Japanese comics in English um, manga they call okay. it like, you know, the Pokemon, that kind of stuff. And I got a job there. I don't remember how I got that, but I did one book there. No, you're still acting when you're doing this? Yeah, but that's what, this was like 2003 probably. So I was really, my acting career was very, was just beginning. So I, I and I didn't have much else to do. So, uh, you know, this, I was rarely working uh, as an actor. Um, and then through Craigslist, I got another, a job through with, uh, Delray books, um, Random House translating their new line of. So what would you comics. do? Like you, you get a, you get, you, they send you the comic and you, tra I mean, how, how would you. Yeah. They send me a book. They'd be 200 pages and I'd translate the book into colloquial English. And how long would that take you? Uh, let's see. Anywhere from four days to two weeks. Now, was it was it monotonous work? Uh, some of it was, but sometimes it, it was fun. It was like, you know, I'm just reading a book, reading a comic, typing out, you know, if they were easy. The ones that were hard and were really dense were a nightmare. I can imagine, because, I mean, like, yeah, the comic's fun, but the comic's an easy read. You know, it's like, okay, but, you know. Yeah, but it was fun. I mean, I, it, and it was, it helped me out a lot because I did that from like, say, 2003 to 2009, uh, which was when I was, you know, that's when I started out as an actor. I think I got my first, I guess I got my first TV role on Malcolm in the Middle in like 2002, but. I was getting like one TV show a year. Okay, but now we okay. So you were the the small part, or we, like, yeah, it would be like, like Malcolm in the Middle was literally this was my part. I that was it. That was it. I yeah. But no, it's what you got. You came sag though, or was yeah, it? I did. I got into the union, and you know, and and back then you got all these residuals for syndication. So it actually turned out to be a great job that uh, was uh, a lot of yeah. good <laughs> <It's> a great, <laughs> that's a great, great deal. start to my career yeah, so, um, you're, you're, so you're, you're you're doing the the books and you're still trying to act now did did you pursue the groundlings anymore or i did i i did the groundlings up till 2006 um there's four levels at the groundlings the final level and each level you have to wait like a year or two to get into the next one i am technically still waiting uh for the fourth level <laughs> I think they called me in 2008 for it, but I had just gotten a movie that was going to shoot in Vermont. And every time they call me, I can't do it because I have something coming up. That's a good thing, though. You, it's, you have booked work. so It is, it, but it's one of those things where I've been on a waiting list since 2006. <laughs> and I, I, would, I think the price has doubled since you oh, know, oh, yeah, definitely. Since then. Um, I do want to do it, though, still. Um, but that translation kept me going, you know, during the lean times. And it also kept me from going crazy because I always had something to do. And it kind of felt creative because I did have to write jokes because, you know, a lot of jokes wouldn't translate. Right. So, so you, I'd come up with my own joke. And the, you, know, you probably learned that a lot of joke writing from when you were the Groundlings. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a different... The, what I did at the Groundlings was mostly improv. improv okay. So, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I think I learned not just through the Groundlings, but through other improv places that I studied. I learned to f sort of free my mind. What were some of the other places? 
uh, Improv Olympic, okay. and then I studied with this guy, Chris Barnes, at the Comedy Dojo. He taught uh, karate by day and comedy by night. And That's cool. He was a old, um, I think he was an SNL writer in the 70s, and then he was on the Carol Burnett show. He was on the Bonnie Hunt show, Life with Bonnie. He was um, an, an interesting guy. He was a great teacher, uh, and he sort of, going to his class, I sort of learned to get our, get over all the my BS and like to kind of trust my own uh, my own instincts in my own writing rather than trying to like be someone else, which is the go to. Right. You know, when you're starting out as a performer, you have to. You're, for me at least, I like was like, oh, I know what this is supposed to be because I've seen someone else do it, so I'll just do. What, it's a safety net. You know, yeah. So it took me a long time to get over that stuff. So as you're doing this, you're doing the acting, you're getting small parts and you're writing. When, did, when do you feel your, your career starts picking up momentum? What, what was your first, what you would say, I mean, Malcolm in the Middle was your first part, but what do you think would say was like your first part where you, you were, I mean, were you getting out, were you booking commercials? I mean, what were you? I'd get like one or two commercials a year. Um, I mean, the... You know, I, I had a funny brush with momentum in 2002, right right off the bat, um, a few months into my, uh, into my um, you know, start as an actor. There was a reality show called Mr. Personality. Okay. And it was like a show where Monica Lewinsky hosted it. Oh, well, it that's, that, you know it's good TV when that's, you know. <laughs> it was a show where all the guys have to wear masks and I think she I remember goes that. on dates with them and has to choose them based on their personality. Okay. Now, I was not in that show, but I was in the promo for it. Okay. And in the promo, they pan down this line of guys in masks, and one guy takes off his mask, and he's like this hot James Bond guy. And they're like, who will it be? Will she pick the beautiful right. man? <laughs> or, and then I take my mask off, and it's me. The, so I'm like the worst case scenario right. that she could get stuck with. Uh, and that that was in 2002, which was, I believe, the second year of American Idol when that was like the biggest right. sensation. And the, it was the show was on Fox, so the, that commercial would air nonstop during uh, all the Fox programs. Millions upon millions upon millions of viewers. American Idol. Yeah, there were like 40 million people or something right. watching at that time. So that commercial became very popular and like they talked about it on like Howard Stern and all these different shows and uh Fox did not have a way to promote that show I guess um and so they ended up using me for some reason to promote the show which I was not on but wait, um, wait you, you did the, you promote it on the commercials or no I mean the publicist would like get me on Good Morning America and these different shows because I wow. became known as as the ugly guy okay from that <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was on like Access Hollywood and Inside Edition and it was it was a trip because like for Good Morning America you know they flew me that must have been great to though. New York and I got a town car picking me up and taking me and I got. You know, it was crazy. I got to stay in a fancy hotel. Um, then I shot with Diane Sawyer, and you know, it was really that's so cool. Now, but the thing is, but so you got you had some momentum off that. Then. Well, I I mean, it was all BS, right? You know, and the funny thing was, I didn't get paid for any of those things. Okay, so I actually turned down like what would have been my second TV show job, <laughs> which was like a little role in a sketch. I forgot. It was some like Comedy Central show that I turned down to go do Good Morning America, which I didn't get paid for. Right. So it felt like something was happening. Yeah, because you think because you're on all these shows and you, you got to think, you know, if this happened from the the ad, you must be thinking right. something's going to happen now. Were, Someone's going to watch and go, because you see it all the time, more, not as much now, but you would used to see, you know, you'd see a certain guy playing a quirky character in a commercial and then two years sure. later you see him in a sitcom. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's what people were saying to me, you know, like these, the people I was, oh, you know, this could lead to blah, 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 blah. And then that show, Mr. Personality, aired the second episode. The ratings were way down from the first, and then that was it. Boom. The whole thing shut down, and I was no longer the needed. Yeah. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember that was my first experience with that kind of, you know, classic Hollywood like, you know, right. burst of attention yeah, and then boom, nothing. zero. And I was sort of I remember I was desperately trying to hang on to that, you know. And I went to to um someone I knew worked with the casting director. And I was like, oh, maybe I, I'll just go say thanks to the casting director because, you know, I just, I, I auditioned for that job as a print job, actually. All I did is go in there and they took my picture and then it became this big thing. Right. So I was like, oh, I'll go in and say thanks. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll love that. So I went and stopped by and I knocked on the door and I forgot who the casting director was, but I said, hi, are you so-and-so? And they said, yes. I said, hey, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for casting me in this and uh, it was really great, uh, and it led to so much. And they're like, "Okay, yeah, you're welcome." <laughs> and you're like, "This is Hollywood." Like, uh, <laughs> so, do so you want to have lunch or something? Maybe talk about my future career. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get that little momentum. So now, now, and you, and from after that, you know things. When do you start booking work? Because you're you get a lot of work now. When what what point was it that you? What was your what was your first? break that you said that you could actually tell people you were an actor because you didn't tell people you were an actor for a while was it what was that one role that you felt that said okay this is gonna i'm i'm feeling good maybe crossing jordan okay i had a pretty good role in that and the director was god i forgot his name um he was one of the characters on the show uh he's a longtime character actor who was also in twin peaks he played like one of the the FBI guy, okay. the boss. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he, I was a huge Twin Peaks fan as a kid. So to be like in this, like I remember the audition, auditioning for him. And I remember when I did my lines, he looked at the casting director and like smiled and nodded. And I was like, you know, I remember that was a great, very exciting to me that like this guy that I watched on TV. Right. Well, that's great. Was like, liked what I was doing. And so I did that job and it was a, that was a really, you know, that was my first sort of fulfilling uh, gig, I think, where I, I got to, also they totally changed it all, um, like the day before the writers changed it. And when I got there, I hadn't seen, none of us had actually seen the, the new stuff. So I had to, I was like, kind of on the spot, I had to memorize these lines and then change the entire character. So it was like a big challenge but it worked out. It was fun. And that was probably the first one where I felt like, you know, maybe I can, you know, maybe I'm okay at this. Like, and then I think it was, you know, still another year before I got another job. Then I did a role on National Treasure 2, which uh, got almost entirely cut out, but, you know, was... uh, felt decent sized at the time we shot it and then a role on a movie called shoot him up that was small but also fun and i just little roles like that here and there then you started but then you started working on a lot of tv yeah then i mean it was 2008 i did breaking bad now how did that come about was that just just a, and now 2008 audition. but that that was earlier in the it was very early the first season had aired the second season hadn't started nobody had heard of the show you know it was very Balloon Isn't it amazing how just how show. big it just blew up it after is. like it just I mean so you did that now was was that fun? Oh, that was great. Now you had to go to New Mexico, right? I had to go to New Mexico. I didn't know what it was when I auditioned for it. I didn't I mean I didn't know what the role was because there are, you know, they give you other characters to do cuz they're I think, you know, so that the information doesn't get out into right. the world. So I had no idea what I was going to play. Um even when I shot the first episode, which is just a cameo of me, I didn't know what I was doing in the next episode, which was like the big, you know, episode where I get crushed by an ATM. Uh, so that was very exciting. I also had booked a pilot for a Disney kids show uh, right at that same time. And I went, I think I I went from shooting this big meth addict role to like the next week playing this kids show, <laughs> you know. How do they get? How do they kill you with the ATM? Because I remember, I watched the show. I remember now, did, did they have to? What? I mean, how does that happen? They have the ATM on a pulley system with ropes and then sandbags under it, so it falls a little bit, um, 
but it's just the movement like to suggest the beginning of a fall uh and my you know i was under there it still was very scary it's gotta be scary because i mean i know it's it's high-tech hollywood but if something breaks you're screwed yeah (laughs) i mean well they had it set up so that they showed me like look even if this broke these sandbags are gonna stop it and i was like okay (laughs) i also had a drill in my hand like a live drill that i was like putting in the face of dale dickey who who was acting opposite me as my wife and that and so i don't know there was a lot going on and yeah. i was worried i was like man here i am with this drill and i'm scared of this thing falling on me if you know now they did you should have done what was the pilot called the pilot was called zeke and luther and it actually it ran for three seasons um and uh so that was sort of the first time where it felt like you know i was getting now, that was recurring, Zeke had, and Luther. That was recurring. I think I did 12 episodes. Uh, so that was the first time I'd had some sort of dependable work and felt like um, around 2010, I stopped the translating. Well, what's cool is when you're doing the Zeke and Luther, and which is as good as ending you're in Breaking Bad, you were lucky enough where you were going back and forth between comedy and drama. So, And that must be great for you because you're sitting there going, Wow, I can because you're a character actor, you can get a lot of different roles. It, you know, it is, but I think the working on a kid show like that is not really recognized by <laughs> like comedy producers and stuff as being relevant to to their shows. So, I, I mean, this is my theory. I don't think like being, playing a comedy character on that show, like legitimizes me right. as a comedic actor to you know most of the the producers who do you know more network comedy um but it's really fun as an actor to do those shows because you get to do stuff that you cannot do generally unless you're on saturday night live you know you play these big over the top characters and and also got to you know have some leeway with you know coming up with little things that I could do on that show. Now, as you're doing these roles, do you feel your roles are getting bigger? Because I know like when I saw you on CSI, that was a very, that was a a very big role. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the biggest guest star that I'd done since Breaking Bad, where the, that show, that episode kind of revolved around my, partially around my character. Um, I did the, that I shot, around maybe October of last year. So since then, I've had a mix. You know, I did that Major Crimes, which was just a one-day job, not a huge role. How long Uh, did you shoot that? Just a day. No, how long ago? how long ago? Because your hair was longer. Yeah. um, And your hair was longer in... in, um, Grimm? CSI. CSI, yeah. Yeah. Now, what makes you decide to cut your hair? Like, Well, uh, I always just leave my hair and beard until someone wants to cut it okay because i figure better to have the option of right having it so i did let's see yeah major crimes i had long hair um that i thought must have been in like july and then in september i got an arc on grim i did four episodes of grim now how did that now did you any of these shows you auditioned did you watch these shows before no i mean i watch when i get an audition i watch the show yeah, but I mean, did, were you did you watch them at all like you, you didn't watch grim before this, but you know you knew what it was about yeah i'd watched it i'd watched a few of the first season episodes yeah now what's your role what was your role in grim um i so in Grimm, I had my long hair and my beard, and then on my beard, they attached an even longer crazy beard because I was this guy in a dungeon. So now, how long is that? Does, that, uh, does it feel weird? Because, I mean, I mean, I'm growing a beard right now. but It but took it's three hours to put it on. Really? Yeah, not just the beard, but old age makeup and stuff. So, so they make you all old. But now, does, yeah. that, does that sort of sit there and go, wait a second? I mean, that must be weird. I mean, it must be boring. What do you do in those three hours? I mean, you're sitting there. You just sit there. <laughs> You just sit there and you you talk a little bit. But yeah, I did, let's see, three episodes they had to put me in that. So that was three, that was nine hours. And then it took probably an hour to get it off each time. Um, yeah, it's pretty, I heard like Jim Carrey and The Mask had something like that, oh, three hours, and he had to do it every day. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Um, 
But that character was like, it was like an Alice in Wonderland scenario where one of the, one of the characters, Adeline on the show, kind of falls in, in down the rabbit hole and it ends up in this dungeon and I'm in the dungeon next to her and I'm like leading her on this crazy journey. Um, and I didn't have the, my role was not as substantial as in like CSI, but I was in over several episodes. Um, and then from right after that, I got a role in this show that's not out yet. Um, that I probably shouldn't reveal too much about, but it's based on a comic book and it's coming out, uh, either this month or next month. And for that, I'm really excited about it. Um, they cut off my beard, cut off my hair, and made me a clean-cut guy, and I play a productive member of society, which is a great rarity for me. Yeah, and, and you must enjoy though playing when when you play it's, those other characters. No, but when you play the other characters, like you know you in in CSI, and you know I know you're in Community and different things, you probably play something quirky. That must be fun though, because you just go in and it's you're really like, fun. You're like, hey, but but then for the actor, you're going well you know, how much I want to do some other things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, CSI was really rewarding. Like, cause I got to do a lot of, I had a big arc in my character where I was like, first I was kind of a clueless guy, but then it turns out I'm actually, you know, kind of a bad guy. And then I, I'm a really horrible, violent guy. Right. So it was fun. And I'm trying to think of that one. Did, did, did you, did you actually, you had interaction with reindeers, right? I did. Yeah. So what is that like? I mean, are they mean? I mean, it sounds weird, but you know, it's just funny. <laughs> no, it's Christmas because was... you sit there and I guess they have to say, okay, I mean, they probably said you have to be comfortable with animals because you see that in all dishes. I mean, did you go in, did you know you got to be hanging out with reindeer? Uh, I did because I auditioned for that scene with the reindeer. So I, I knew I actually said to the casting director, as I was leaving, that it had always been my dream to work with a reindeer. Um, and <laughs> she, I, she didn't know how to respond. I was not really, the casting director was like the assistant who was leading me out of the room. Um, but uh, so I, I did know that I was going to be working with the reindeer. Um, it was, uh, I'm actually, you know, I can be a little skittish around like scary dogs and right. animals but the the reindeer was very uh it's just in its little trailer but the funny thing about it is if you touch it if you just like poke your finger at it and brush its fur it really doesn't like that it'll like shiver and shake and oh, wow. jump around if you're gonna pet the reindeer you have to you have to commit to it and really pet it with like a firm hand that's so funny because it can handle the firm hand against the skin but it can't handle the tickle Okay. That's what I learned about working with reindeer. <laughs> so now do you, are you going out and auditioning a lot now? Um, yeah, I'm just, I just got back from shooting this show, uh, f- the fourth episode of this show. Um, so have you been on all four? Well, I've been on four out of seven. Okay, so, so it's somewhat of a recurring. Yeah, I, I play uh, a mortician in the police force. So. Now the show, what's the show, can you say the name of the show? Nah, I, okay. I don't know if I can or not. Right, so no problem. I, 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 on the side of caution. Okay, yeah, that's cool. But that must be great because when you get back, did you know it was going to be a few roles, a few episodes when you auditioned? Or did I you did, think it was yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't know to what extent. Like, I, the, what was really fun, last week I shot um, an episode where I'm like debriefing uh a bunch of cops about what they're looking at. So it was like the classic, you know, police guy stand up saying, right. okay, guys, here's what we got, which I never imagined that I would get a chance to do. That must know? be great, though. So, yeah, it was, it was really fun because it's just a, I mean, most of the time what I'm doing is saying, you know, look, man, I didn't see anything. I was just standing there right. or, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm selling drugs or, you know, whatever. It's It's pretty... You know, and I, I, I do like doing those roles, but it's definitely very. It's a good change. It's fun to do something that's totally where I like. I actually work with the police. Right, right. You know. <laughs> now I got a question. Who's Ken Tanaka? Ken Tanaka uh, is my long lost identical Japanese twin brother. And now you you lost him years ago. Like you never you didn't know about him. No, I had no idea until we met in two thousand seven via. Uh, him making a YouTube video of our of our meeting was that that must have been great to meet your long lost brother uh, yeah of course and we actually collaborated 
recently we started working together on on projects, and uh, we just put a book out uh, earlier this year with Harper Collins called "Everybody Dies: A Children's Book for Grownups." And then how'd you get that idea? How to come up with the children's book? Um, well, Ken did all of the illustrations. Um, and it was really more his idea. I just kind of latched on to it because I thought, you know, having my name on a book could lead to better name recognition for me as an actor. Uh, so I really just kind of forced my way into it. Um, but also, you know, I'd always had death in the back of my mind, having died a lot on all the roles that I've played. What's that like when you die? I mean, do you, have, do you ever get, have you gotten shot up a few times? I mean, what's that I've like? I've gotten shot. Does that, do you feel that? Uh, yeah, well, it's actually quite easy to die when you get shot in a movie or something because they put squibs, these little like exploding packets of blood and stuff in your, you know, under your shirt where you're getting shot. And when, when uh, they shoot you, First, usually you hear a blank, and then you feel that thing explode. So it's, you know, naturally you're going to react to it, you know, because it's like it's like someone smacking you. Um, so that's easy. Uh, it's a little harder when it's like uh, they're killing you in some other way that doesn't have, you know, a loud noise or something that you can naturally react to. Um, yeah, Breaking Bad was easy because all I had to do was flop around. Right you know? now, now you seem like you have more dramas right now. Do you want to start doing comedy more? Or I mean, what what, um, what would be your choice? Because you you you're getting a character. So you're lucky. You get like this next role. You get to play a character that you're talking to the police, and it's a more you know a more civil, legit character. Would you now? You got that step. Did you, do you want to continue down the path? I know work is work, but do you want to continue down the path of having serious roles, or would you like to do comedy more? You know what? To me, it's really more about writing. And if the writing is good, then I want. I just want to do roles that I'm, I, I'm proud of, and that I, you know, that are fun and challenging. And right now, I, I, I don't care really if it's comedy or drama. I'd like to do more comedy just because I don't have as much of it. Um, you know, I haven't had as much. Uh, well, I mean, I actually have done, if you look at episode count, I've done as many comedies as dramas, but a lot of that was the Disney and Nickelodeon. So as far as, you know, network or primetime comedy, I don't have that much of it. So I would like to do it just to kind of balance that out. But for personal preference, yeah, like I I would be, you know, just as happy with a a role on a show like you know, a long-term role on a show like Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, right. one of those shows as I would with like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's, it's more about liking the show. Now, from when, from when, from when you're Breaking Bad, when you did the Breaking Bad, you know, as we said, that was the beginning, and now the show has just exploded. And it's yeah. funny. I mean, I know people. I was at my friend's house when we were watching one night, and he's saying how him and his buddy like just binge watched it, and they're going to watch it again. And like I said, one, someone was one of my oh. Uh, um, Larry Hankin was on my show, who was on an episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they said, he goes, well, wait. And I showed a picture. He goes, oh, my God. Everyone knows. No, do people recognize you now from that role? Because one, because it has, it has become such a pop culture phenom. Yeah. I mean, people do sometimes. Uh, but I, I looked pretty, you know, they I had a lot of makeup. Actually, all, that was another one where it was like two and a half hours of makeup to do all these sores on my face. So I think you really, people tend to recognize me if they just watched that episode, you know, within the past month. Now, how does that feel? Like, but do they get from? I mean, do you get recognized because you have a different look, and when your hair is longer, do people recognize you from TV, or I mean, do they come up to you, or I mean, how does that feel? Uh, you know, it's 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 not that often, so it's always fun. I could see how, you know, if you were a celebrity, that would be annoying but it's never annoying for me i'm always happy you know when someone comes up and says you know i've never had someone say hey you were in that show you were terrible in right that, yeah <laughs> you suck we we have, we have a few minutes left uh so what's what's up in the future what's coming up in your future what do you what do you what would you like to do uh what would i like to do man Golly. i mean keep acting but is there anything like in the next few years you want to accomplish 
Um, well, we uh, turned in a second book to HarperCollins, and I would like that to be published. Now, how did the first book sell? First book, I don't really know, because um, it came out in what, J- June or July, okay. and so I haven't seen the numbers for it's not like a on the bestseller right, list, right, right. but it's a humor book you know it's a illustrated picture book about death um so uh i'm kind of we just turned in this new book so i I'd, I'd like to have that um and and you know have a kind of a side career working with kent naka and doing these books you do a lot of videos with right yeah, we do a lot of videos. Uh, we had one video, What Kind of Asian Are You?, that was like a big viral phenomenon that has like 7.5 million hits. Isn't it amazing how like how like the the viral stuff can just blow up? Like something will get no looks and then something will get thousands of it looks. It is. You know, it is because, you know, we've made, we collaborated on that with um, our, our team and also a director, David Neptune. And... You know, I, I, we had a feeling that that one was going to do well, but then there have been ones since then that we thought when we put them out were going to be as successful or at least, like, close, and they would just get, you know, 10,000 hits. And, Is it so weird? And, you, can, you can never tell. You can never tell. And sometimes it's the ones that you didn't think would catch on at all that were just, like, things that you kind of did on the fly that end up being... I've seen, well, I've seen some stuff on YouTube. I don't know how they get so many hits. Sometimes oh, you sit yeah. there and go, it's like the girl's going sitting on a toilet, and that's got like 8 million hits. I'm like, really? This girl's just sitting there going sitting on a toilet? And you're like, hey, what? that doesn't make any sense. I haven't seen that one. It's just just type in sitting on Gosh. a toilet. Now, now the, are, you, are you going off a commercial audition still? Yeah, yeah. Now, do you, now do you, it must be weird going from if you when you book a commercial, it must be weird going from like an episodic where also where you, you seem to get a lot of makeup put on. So it must be weird when you shoot a commercial, it must be like a cakewalk. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the commercials, usually when I go through like makeup and stuff, they just look at me and say, okay, you're good. Like they don't, they don't do much to me because they want, they just want the natural weird looking guy. So yeah, commercial, you know, commercials, it just depends on the job. Sometimes they're, they are a cakewalk and they're just, you just show up and do your, Whatever it is, and now when you're you, done. When you audition now, because you've been in a bunch of episodes, do people recognize you? Do casting directors, will they come to you? Is it easier for you to get an audition now? Uh, you know, for some things it is, and for some... And I, the thing is, the truth is, I don't know, really, because I don't know why they're... Most of the time, they're not saying why they're calling me right. in. And I wouldn't say necessarily that I get more auditions than I did you know, a couple years ago, but I do get, you know, auditions for bigger roles like that CSI role, you know, I think that I probably wouldn't have gotten without Breaking Bad. Okay. Well, I'm going to thank you for coming on. It was was nice meeting you. I'm glad you can make it down in the rain. You had to come to the rain. Now give all your, uh, you got, you got all that social media stuff going on or how can people Uh, find you? Yeah. Um, my, uh, Twitter is, is this David Yuri? Uh, David Yuri is U R Y. David U R Y. Um, DavidYuri.com. Uh, if you want to see some a little info about the book, I recommend you go to YouTube and search um, "Rest in Peace, Everybody Dies" trailer. Cool. And that's a little trailer we shot with some Breaking Bad casts, like. Uh, Skinny Pete and Marco Salamanca. Well, I want to thank you, man. It was great meeting you. And I'm going to check it out. And I'm going to check it out. And yeah, so people, check them out. Follow them on Twitter. Go to uh, YouTube. Check it out. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. You can follow me, at Cooper Talk. Go to the website, coopertalk.net. I have about 320 episodes up. You can email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. I'd like to hear from you guys. Also, iTunes and Stitcher. 
Type in one word, Cooper Talk, and you can find that stuff, and you can listen anytime. Also, I'm doing a show the 5th, December 15th, 13th. It's a Saturday at I.O. West. Christine Blackburn's Storyworthy Show. I'll be telling a story. It's about a 10-minute gig. It'll be at 7.30. It's a free show. That's right on Hollywood Boulevard. So come on out. So please come out and support. Remember, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Email me, Cooper, at CooperTalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. And don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. Be healthy, and I'll talk to you guys next week.